Hello, and welcome to this podcast of Sunday Sermons from Concord United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll find this message to be meaningful, insightful, and a refreshing part of your daily walk with God. Please feel free to share this podcast with family, friends, or anyone else who might benefit from it. This podcast is part of the digital ministries of Concord United, and we are grateful that you have chosen to experience worship and God's Word with us. For more information about Concord United and its ministries, please visit our website at concordunited.org. Have you ever felt like that when you've heard some of the words of Jesus? Have you ever thought, Jesus, I, I, I don't know that you really thought all this through. You might have been speaking off the cuff and gotten it a little mixed up. I have a suggestion for you, right? Well, that's what we've been talking about, stuff like that all summer long. Our message series has been crazy stuff Jesus said. And what we find is that contrary to sometimes our initial knee-jerk reactions, Jesus did think things through. He thought them through better than anybody. And when he says stuff that first comes across as crazy, What's actually going on there is Jesus isn't just trying to be provocative. All kinds of people do that. Uh, you know, people will do, I, I mean, there's crazy stuff people will do just to get more views on TikTok, right? Just straight up crazy. That's not Jesus. Uh, Jesus realizes that when he's talking about the seriousness of faith and when he's talking about what it means to really walk faithfully with God, that sometimes uh, we have to be shocked uh, just out of our common everyday practices to really step back and think, what does this mean? And so that's what Jesus is doing. If he could have communicated what he needs to communicate another way better, he would have. But when we hear these words, we have to say, okay, I might not be able to initially figure out exactly what's going on here but I know if I dig in that there's a reason for this and, and that eventually God will lead me to, to that reason so today we we hear when he tells this young man hey hey sell your possessions and we're going to get into exactly what went on with, with that young man in, in a few moments. But one of the things I want to share with you is that as you're trying to, to walk through, sometimes these shocking words of Jesus are the ones that we most need to hear. Uh, that can, can best help lead us towards God. And one of the best ways to do that is to be reading every day. We have a Bible reading plan at concordunited.org slash Bible. It gives you a small scripture passage each day and a prayer focus. And it goes along with everything we're talking about in here. You can also pick up a printed out copy at our information center. To really encourage you to be a part of that. It'll help this go from just being a, a confusing passage uh, and and maybe best case scenario, uh, an, an interesting message. Uh, worst case scenario, uh, you know, hopefully you'll leave here going, well, that, that guy will. He, he tried, didn't he? He tried. But that we don't want it just to be interesting. Uh, we want it to be transformative. And often reading the Bible each day and praying through it helps it, us really wrestle with it to the point that it becomes transformative. Well, as we talk about the passage today where Jesus says, sell your possessions, in, in essence, uh, what Jesus does here is Jesus is looking and Jesus is saying, what's holding you back? And that's a question for all of us. The question of selling possessions, as we're going to get into in a minute, is more a question for this young man. Uh, but the question that immediately comes for, for all of us is what's holding you back from fully follow, following God? Uh, and, uh, you know, what, what do we need to, to do about that? It, it reminds me of a time in my life a number of years ago, uh, I was dating my now wife, Rebecca, and we had gotten to that point. We, we felt like we wanted to get married. So I called her, her, her father 
And I said, hey, I, I need to talk to you. Uh, there's something I want to ask you. So I went over to my in-law's house and her father comes out. He's dressed comfortably. Uh, asked me to sit, take a seat in the living room. He sits comfortably on, on the couch. He, he, he kind of laid down comfortably on the couch. Um, and then my mother-in-law comes in and she's like dressed to the nines. And she, she says, hey, we... We, we've really enjoyed having you in the family for, for the last three years. And I'll say, you know, I just, I just love y'all. And I'll say, you know, I'd like to ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. And they say, you know, we're, we're so glad to hear that. We just have a few questions. And, and, and then the legal pad came out. And my mother-in-law had the legal pad, right? So for the next hour, my mother-in-law went over 30 questions with me on that legal pad. And after that hour, she looked at my father-in-law and went, and my father-in-law sat up and looked at me and said, we're awful happy to have you in the family, Will. Right. Now, I love that. That will always be in my memory because they both reflected the love of God to me in that situation. Now, my father-in-law reflected it by his calm confidence in me. My mother-in-law reflected it by asking me some of the most important questions anybody could ask. What she was asking me is, I understand your intention. I know and I do not question that you love our daughter. What I'm asking you is, is there anything holding you back from fulfilling these vows that you want to take? Because they're pretty big vows to love and to cherish till death do us part for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. And so when, in her wisdom for many years of marriage, she asked questions uh, that in my brief time on earth, I wasn't wise enough to have all together thought through and really helped me in that process because it's easy to say, yes, our intention is. But as we learn when we get into faith, when we get into marriage, uh, or relationships, you know, carrying out your intention isn't nearly as easy as it looks. And so her questions were so important because she helped me see, is there anything holding you back? And if there is, what do you need to, to do with that? And that's, that's what confront, that, that's the type of question that confronts this young man. So I want us to, to hear it as it's recorded in the, in the gospel of Mark, and then we're going to dive, dive deeper into it. So this is beginning with the 10th chapter of Mark, the 17th verse. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Hey, th this guy didn't just happen to bump into Jesus. He ran after Jesus. And he fell on his knees before Jesus. I mean, what a guy. What a guy, right? I, I admire that. I want to be like that. Verse 18, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I've kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, you lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving for he had many possessions. Again, he says, I've done all this stuff. Ah, oh, I love that about him. But Jesus says, sell what you own, give the money to the poor and come follow me. 
He went away grieving for he had many possessions. Picking up with verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, then who can be saved? His disciples respond exactly how I would. Then then it's impossible, Jesus. What are you even talking about? And listen to Jesus' response. For mortals, it is impossible, but but not for God. For God, all things are possible. So let's break down what's really being offered here and the situation that's going on. This isn't Jesus walking out in a field and saying, hey, everybody, hey, everybody here, sell everything you own, give it, give it to the poor, and then you can, can be faithful full to God. That, that would just create a lot more poor people, uh, right? Um, what, what Jesus is saying is a specific invitation to this man who was a man of resources. And he's saying, if you will sell what you own and give it to the poor, you can come follow me and be one of my disciples who travels with me. But you can't manage all these businesses and follow me and go to all the towns I'm going to. You, you've, you've got to choose. And the thing was, it says, he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Like sometimes uh, we, we think if I just had more, life would be easier, right? We look at someone else who has a little more than us and we say, if I just had what they have, life would be easier. And, and then sometimes we're blessed to acquire uh, whatever it is. And then we look at somebody else who has a little bit more than we have now and we're like, man, if I just had what they had, man, life, life would be easier. Here's the thing, I've known a lot of people I've known people who had big, big houses and nice, nice cars and all sorts of stuff. And I've known people who struggled to make rent payments. I haven't met someone for whom life was easy yet. I don't know. Maybe you're out there. If you are, you know, shake my hand at the door today. I'd love to meet you. I haven't met somebody for for whom life was easy. But what we do find is as we acquire more, sometimes having more doesn't make life easier. It just makes life more complicated, right? So sometimes we get more and it's like, well, well now what, what do we do with this? How, now how do I live faithfully in this new situation? In essence, this story of the rich young man who came to have the chance to follow Jesus, it's almost like if Elon Musk walked up to Jesus, right? And Jesus looked at him and was like, Elon, I love you, man. If you'll just sell Tesla, and SpaceX, you can come follow me, right? If um, that, that would probably, I imagine, be, be harder for, for Elon than if uh, Jesus came up to you or me and said, hey, could you, uh, you know, get rid of some of that investment fund you have and, and, and come follow me. But, but regardless, uh, what we find is what Jesus is asking. It, it, it doesn't really have to do with selling. It has to do with surrendering, right? Will, will you surrender anything that, that gets between you and God? And what we find out is that what we, it's easy to be possessed by our possessions, right? Uh, it, the, the, the funny thing is, uh, once you have something, 
it, it hurts much more to lose it than to never have it at all, right? Like it hurts, it hurts much more to lose it uh, than, than, than to never have it at all. One, one of my favorite um, examples of this uh, was uh, on, a, on a show called The Office. Now, you can pretend you haven't watched that show, uh, but I know the truth, right? And so, you, uh, you have this, this situation on, on that show uh, where uh, they, they, get, they go to like the, the, it's like the final show and they're going to a wedding. And there's a guy on the show who, who does not have a hotel room. And, and he asks for another guy to, to let him room with him. And he's like, you know... Um, and he's like, I would do the same for you. And the guy's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And uh, then they find out that actually the situation is reversed. And the guy who thought he didn't have the room actually has the reservation and the other guy doesn't. And the other guy says, um, you know, uh, well, you'll let me room with you, won't you? And he's like, I don't know. Now that I've got it, I don't know that I want to give it up, right? Like my other perspective is like, of course we should share. But once I have it, oh, I don't, I, I don't know. It, it's like that for us sometimes. Once we get something, we can be possessed by it. And it doesn't have to be a financial possession. It doesn't have to even be a, a physical possession. It, it, can, it can be all, all sorts of things that, that we have, goals we have, thing, things we enjoy doing. Uh, on the more destructive end, it can be an addiction or something, but there could just be stuff that, that we have, have trouble giving up. And what Jesus is saying to that rich young man and what Jesus is saying to us today is what's holding you back? What's holding you back from a life fully committed to God? Same thing my mother-in-law was saying to me. Is there anything holding you back? And you know that when you start walking with God, anything that's holding you back, it will eventually become apparent. Same way it is in marriage, right? In marriage, if you have an allegiance to anyone or anything other than God that is higher than your allegiance to your spouse, it will eventually become problematic. And the way you'll grow in your marriage is by working that out. Don't be surprised when that happens. It's just going to happen. The, what, what it means to grow closer to one another in marriage throughout our lives is that when it does, when it, we do begin to see it, and sometimes it's even things where we're doing something to try and bless our spouse, but we're actually putting that thing above our, our spouse. Uh, or uh, uh, one time I had a situation here at the church, a young couple came to me and I just thought this was beautiful. They disagreed on something. And they said, we want to know, you know, what we should do. And one of the questions I said, well, what do your families think? And they said, our parents won't tell us what they think. And I'm like, really? And they said, yes, because our parents told us they don't care so much what decision they make. We make, they just don't want us choosing their opinion over our spouse's opinion. I was like, I want to meet your parents. Like these, these folks are, these folks are on it. You know, no one can have that, that, if you have that higher allegiance to something else, it's going to be found out. Same way in our faith. Uh, what it means to grow in our faith, we surrender our lives to Christ and we say, Christ, you've got it all. But as we go, there are these areas that, that come up and we, 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 have, to, we have to deal with them. Uh, they, 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 they just come up. And what, what you'll find is that unless Jesus possesses your heart, something else will. Something else will. And, and, and I'm here to tell you today, it, 
even when you give your heart into Jesus' possession, there will still be moments where you find other things in your heart competing for Jesus' place. I remember a friend of mine who's one of the most gracious, nice, talented people I know. And he and I got to to know each other. We went to seminary together. Uh, He was a little bit older than me. He'd had a very successful career on Wall Street before he came to seminary and incredibly successful for the incredibly short time he spent there. In his 20s, he spent a few years up there in, in the Northeast and he was working for one of the major financial institutions in the country. He was working as a 20-something directly under the CFO of that or organization because they had identified him and they had fast-tracked him and He was going to be one of the big dogs at one of the big, big places. But he grew up at this Methodist church and he helped out with the youth ministry when he was in college. And somewhere along the line, he had this thing that kept nagging him in the back of his heart that he was supposed to be a pastor. And eventually, after several years doing finances, he said, you know, I... I, I just got to give, I've got to go to seminary. Uh, I, won't, I won't have peace until I do. And so we were in class together. We became friends. And there was this thing that went on in that community. There was a golf course there. And the owner of the golf course got into financial trouble several years back. And it was even the type of trouble where not only could he lose his business and go bankrupt, but he could have a lot of lawsuits against him. And the story I was was told was that he prayed to God and he said, God, if you will get me out of this, I'll give anything to you. I will turn my life around. I will turn it all over to you. Well, he got out of it. And I don't know if he turned it, how much he turned his life around. I do know from that moment on, preachers played free on Mondays. Okay? So, I mean, I'm all about... um, receiving gifts that people want to give in the Lord's name. Uh, So every Monday, I was there, right? And my my friend would often come with me and we'd we'd go play. And so one hole, we're playing a par four. And thanks to the grace of God, we both hit our balls in the fairway. And we're walking and he gets a phone call. And he takes it and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm out. I'll have to call you back later. And he hangs up and he says, that was the CFO. I said, really? I said, he just checking in on you? He said, no. He offered me and he named an amount of money that was more money than I had ever thought about anybody making in a year for this young man to come back. And uh, it described, laid out for him, you know, this this is what your, your future could look like. And so I'm thinking, wow, that's incredible. And I'm also thinking, wow, it's kind of incredible. I have a good chance to par this hole. Um, So we're going and I'm getting up to to my ball and and trying to get ready. And he he says to me, you know, what do you think? And I'm like, well, I'm thinking seven iron. You know, I I really think I can carry it. And, And he's like, no, no, what do you think I should do? And I thought, and the only thing that came to my mind was, well, you're called or you're not. And if you're called to this, you need to do it. And if you're not sure if you're called to this, 
Boy, I'd consider what that guy said. I'd consider it real strongly. Well, he prayed about it for a week. And today, uh, he, he has pastored the first church to build a new building in downtown Kansas City in the last 80 years. And through that church, many people who were completely disconnected from faith, from Christ, from a church community, have found faith and have found a, a, loving, a loving community. But his journey, he had, to, he had to fight that battle, right? He had to come face to face. And I think he would tell you there have been many other times in his life when he's had to come face to face with what's holding you back because something will come up. And in that moment, you'll have to decide what to do. Now, I could stop here and I could say amen and you'd be happy because you'd get to the restaurant before the Baptists. Uh, but I would be doing, I, I would be, if I stopped right now, I would be basically committing spiritual malpractice. Because up to this point, I haven't shared much more than what you can get from a lot of secular motivational speeches, right? Hey, think about your priorities. Make sure you're acting in line with them. Let me tell you a couple nice stories. There's something you need to know that you can only find in the teachings of Jesus, uh, that you can only find at the church. And that's this. When you're in those moments, you won't have the power to do it on your own. No matter how much you know, no matter how much you've studied, there are going to be moments in your life where you won't have the power to do it. And, you know, that's why the disciples say, well, Jesus, this is impossible. You know, Jesus says for us on our own to get into the kingdom, it's like a camel going through the eye of a needle. Like it, it just can't be done. You know, it, it, it cannot happen. But for God, all things are possible. In those moments, in those moments, you need to remember that Jesus is pursuing you. That the story of the Bible is, t teaches us how to pursue God, but we always pursue God imperfectly. The main emphasis of the story of the Bible is how God pursues us. And you need to know that in those moments, God's spirit uh, through Jesus Christ is going to give you power beyond what you'd ever know. And after the service this morning, a man came out. Many of you may know him. He's been a part of our church for a long time. Just great, great guy. His name's Dell Davis. And Dell recently had three surgeries on his heart. He had to travel to New York to get them done. It was the, the first time or, or, you know, it caught him completely off guard. Uh, Dell, like, he's retired, but man, he lifts weights. He does like CrossFit. You know, if Dale challenged me to like a bench press competition, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have to be like, you know, I'd do it, Dale, but my elbow's been a little sore recently. I, I, pro I mean, Dale's, Dale's in great shape. He was feeling great. He went to the doctor and the doctor said, your life's in danger. And all of a sudden, he's looking at all these surgeries and everything come, coming up before him. And he said, you know, I got to New York and I laid in that hospital bed. And he said, I thought I knew what peace was. And I thought I knew what it was to turn everything over to Christ. And he said, but I'd never been in a situation like that. I'd never had to, to do it like that. And he said, you know, I was there and I went to sleep. 
And he said, when I woke up, I could literally hear people praying for me. Like in my ears were the words of people back in Tennessee who I knew who were praying for me. And he said, I, I can't even describe to you how that happened. And then he said, all, all of a sudden, I just knew. I just knew I was at peace with this. Like nothing I've ever experienced before. What happened was, you know, we go as far as we can. God does the rest, right? In those moments, what I want you to know is if you will wrestle with this question of what's holding you back, you might not even have the power to defeat it on your own, but God will, do, God will win the victory. That's what Jesus does. That's Jesus's job. Jesus is really good at that job. Now, in just a moment, we're going to have a chance to pray. And I'm going to encourage you, if you have something that you kind of know is holding you back right now, to lift that up to God. I want you to prepare for that in knowing that, you know, when we have these prayers, there, there have been moments, very rare, but there have been moments where people have come. And normally it's like a year later and they'll come to me and they'll say, you remember when we prayed that prayer? This is what I lifted up and it was like a miracle. And, and, and after that, it was taken care of. Most of the time, what people will say after a year or two, they'll come up and say, you remember when we prayed that prayer? That started a process. God started helping me walk through that. And I'm in a different place now because of that. Sometimes God heals us. Sometimes God fixes us miraculously at once. A lot of times God does it over time gradually because there are things we can learn from that process that we don't necessarily learn from the miraculous process as amazing as it is. I don't know how God will do that in your life. What I do know is that if you want to get past what's holding you back, God's there. And it may be impossible for you, but it's not for God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we come before you today and we thank you that you gave your life for us even though you knew everything that was holding us back. And when we give our lives to you, you receive that and bring us into the joy of your presence, even though you know there will still be things which seek to hold us back. Things that we at times give a place in our heart that should only be reserved for you. We thank you for your graciousness, for your never-ending love, for your pursuit of us. And so, Lord, as we come before you this morning, we lift up to you the things that hold us back. Heal them, lead us past them miraculously or gradually, quickly or slowly, whatever be your will. Help us to learn whatever you desire for us as your work takes place in our lives and in our world. And help us to give you all the praise and all the glory for all time. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.